you're listening to Adulthood Academy. I'm your host, Angela Hatchie. This community is a resource for all those adulthood things many of us were never formally taught. That's all the stuff from learning to handle your finances to navigating different relationships. It's all in here. I've spent years working to figure out adulthood, feeling like I was shooed out into the world wholly underprepared. Since then, I've gotten myself out of debt and prepared myself financially for my future, learned to cook and bake pretty good stuff, and learned to start saying important things out loud in all kinds of relationships. There is far more ahead to learn than there is behind, and that's what I'm here for, to foster this community of perpetual go-getters who are working to fulfill their potential in every facet of life. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get in there. Hey, you guys, welcome to another episode of Adulthood Academy. It's great to have you here. From the title of this podcast, it might be a little spicy, and I think it will be, hopefully, the point of this episode is to be like the little kick in the ass that I think we all sometimes need, and I know that I need it sometimes, and I definitely needed it when it came to my finances. So that's the point of this episode is just to be like that little kick in the ass to get you going if that's where you are, if you're like stuck or um, you're not really sure if what you're doing is worthwhile, this episode is going to be the kick in the ass. And I wanted to start this episode off with a quote from Mel Robbins. Mel Robbins, um, she's done like TED Talks before and, you know, a bunch of other stuff, but basically the, the no one is coming to save you was inspired by her. And that's kind of like one of her more famous quotes. So I'm going to read you one of her one of my favorite quotes of her, it is this, no one is coming to save you. No one is coming to push you. It's all up to you. You need to parent yourself if you want to make your dreams come true. You can do it. You just have to stop waiting to feel like it. And that is so applicable to every area of life. How many things you actually want to do during the day and you just have to do them. And it's the same thing with your finances or starting your own business or writing that book that you've wanted to write or becoming a runner. You are not going to feel like it every day. It's just not a reality. And so the whole point of this episode is like, nobody is coming to save you. Nobody's going to come and tell you like, hey, so-and-so I realized no one ever taught you about finances. So I'm here to save the day. It's never going to happen. And so you have to do it yourself. And you know, I used to have kind of like an entitlement mindset when it came to my money and my financial future. I was in high school. We never you know, grew up with money. But in high school, my mom had multiple jobs. And then she went back to school at night to become a nurse because basically she came to this point. She was like, okay, no one's going to save me. I got to do it myself. So she got multiple jobs. She went back to school so that she could have a more prosperous future for herself and also for her grown kids. I'm the youngest out of the three kids. So I kind of had like an entitlement mindset during that period of my life, like my late high school years, college years. And I'm going to share that with you guys in just a little bit and how that kind of like factors into how we think about our finances. And if we are worthy of putting in the work to do it ourselves, or if we think somebody else should basically solve our problems. But before we do that, I wanted to talk to you guys about my budget planners. They've been a huge hit with everyone who's ordered one. And it's been so amazing to see everybody just get their finances really organized and feeling amazing about not just like 
having things organized, but that you have a plan to pay off your debt and put money away for savings in the future. And also just to save for like bigger, bigger ticket items. So people are saving for their cars so they can pay in cash. That way you don't have to have a monthly payment. Um, and it's just been amazing, amazing to see that, um, having a tool in place like a budget planner can do so much more for you than you think it will. And having a system in place like a budget planner where you can kind of house everything, it has a subscription tracker, you can keep track of all of your debts, your minimum payments, You there's a bill and income calendar there for every month so you can write down when money's coming out of your account, when money's getting deposited into your account, so you have tabs on everything. So there are monthly sheets to keep you on track with your budget, your expenses, your savings goal, how you're paying off debt. And then there's also annual worksheets that will help you keep track of your progress for the year, like month over month, how much you're putting towards your down payment on your home, towards your student debt, all that great stuff. So if you would like to get one, there's the link in the show notes for this episode. And you can also always find it on my website, AngelaHatchie.com slash budget planner. So go check that out. Okay, so let's get back to the heart of this episode, which I was talking to you guys about kind of my story and my mentality, which is where I've had to do the most work. So my parents were divorced. My dad didn't have really any money. And so I always felt guilty asking him for money for anything. So I'd always go to my mom, um, even though you know she didn't have money either. So my parents got divorced when I was young. I think I was like four years old. So I don't really remember a time when they were together. Um, so I always felt guilty asking my dad for money because I knew for sure that he didn't have any money. And so I would always go to my mom and I felt like I was entitled to basically her paying for stuff because she had more money than my dad had. So after my mom got a nice, you know, high paying job, I told you she went back to school and became a nurse. I felt more entitled to her money because I thought that she should be paying for things since she was making the most money, right? Now, I'm going to preface this by saying, like, I'm not going to, you know, character assassinate myself. I was not like a spoiled brat. We didn't have any money growing up. And it wasn't like I was asking, like, can I have $500 to go to the mall? It was like, you know, uh, I played sports. So if it was like a sports related item or I needed new shoes or something for school. So I'm not going to like throw myself under the bus. I was not a spoiled brat. Um, but everyone has had times in their life where they look back on and like kind of cringe. And it's moments like that where I was like, God, why was I such an asshole? <laughs> and so we've all had moments like that where we look back and we're like, God, why I was not being the best version of myself. And I'm sure that you have an experience in your life um, when you were younger. They're like, why would I do that? That was so stupid. Or, you know, I grew up without any extra money. And so when my mom finally started making more money, I thought I was like entitled to the lifestyle of the friends and of my friends and like how I saw them living. So it was like parents who gave them like brand new phones and new cars when they got their permit and new clothes every school year. And they had non-embarrassing cars to drop them off at school. I always got dropped off and um, we called it the pickle. Uh, you might need to Google this. It's um, a panel truck. So it's a monstrosity, basically. I highly recommend you look it up on Google. Um, it's like a Chevy panel truck, the old version. So that's what I got dropped off in school. And that was embarrassing. So, um, and you know, my friends could also like apply for fancy colleges and not have to think about how they were going to afford it because their parents had money. And it was like, they could go to the mall and spend their parents' money for fun and join expensive sports clubs. And anytime I went over to somebody's house for like a sleepover or some sort of get together, I always felt 
self-conscious about where we lived. And, you know, I rarely invited anyone over, which again is cringeworthy because I had a roof over my head and I should have never been embarrassed of like having a car that drops me off at school or having a house that was like, you know, shelter and a roof over my head. So again, those things all factor into um, what I'm talking about here is like how I got the mindset I had and how I overcame those things so that you can hopefully do the same too. And all of that is like, you know, the phones and the cars and the new clothes and going to the mall, you know, it's all really stupid stuff and not worth striving for and envying others for being able to do it. But, you know, when you're a kid and you see those things and you wonder like, okay, why can't I have that thing too? Um, And that's totally normal. And the kids living like that actually are few and far between. But our perception of it when we're growing up is that's how everyone is living. Like, that's what I thought. I was like, okay, well, everyone can join the fancy sports club and everyone gets brand new clothes and we're shopping at the thrift store. And it was just like, that's your perception. So the whole point of me telling you this is because all of these things play into our perception of money in our lives. And if we feel like it's our responsibility or somebody else's to fix it. And the minute that we kind of admit that we're not doing as great as we want to, we then have to put ourselves on the hook to do something about it. And that scares a lot of people. So when I was in high school, I'm talking to you guys about this like bratty stage I was in where I was like, my mom should pay for my expensive basketball club. But if we stay in that same mentality where you're like, okay, somebody should take care of this for me, or somebody should have taught me about personal finance, or somebody should have started a trust fund for me, or a Roth account for me, or, you know, whatever kind of thing that you think somebody else should have done for you. When you become older and you become an adult and you're like, okay, well, nobody's going to do that for me. And I actually have to do it myself. And if you admit that to yourself, that it means you have to do something about it. Because if you're not going to blame somebody else, the only person that's responsible is you. And if we can avoid the responsibility, which is what I see a lot of adult people doing, they're like, they want to blame, you know, taking out student loans on somebody else. They want to blame their spending problem on something else. They want to blame impulsive spending on stress or something like that. And if we continue to avoid the responsibility of it and always have something or somebody else to blame, we will never have to do anything about it because we're like, oh, it's that's my scapegoat. I don't have to do anything about it because it's not our fault. It's the system or society or your parents to blame or something like that. So how do we shift our thinking and decide that we can have essentially anything you've ever wanted. But first I want to talk to you guys about my money membership that's coming in the next month or so. I'm so, so excited about it. I've been planning out the content for the next year and all the topics we're going to talk about every single month. It's the accountability and it's the motivation that I find is kind of um, one of the pain points for people as they continue to budget because everyone's finances change like month to month. Even if you're not in a variable income, something comes up, you have to use your emergency fund, you have to use your credit card and you're like, kind of not back to square one, but you have to reevaluate your budget kind of pretty frequently. And so that's the point of this money membership is like, we'll do it together and it'll be every single month we'll get together. We'll do Q and A's. We'll have guest experts lined up that you would have to pay like hundreds of dollars to talk to um, about like tax planning and retirement planning, estate planning, all that stuff, like adult stuff that, um, is hard to get your foot in the door if you don't know somebody and it can be kind of intimidating. And so I'm really excited about bringing this to you guys and it's going to be a low ticket option. It's going to be less than $40 a month and it's going to be so amazing 
for continuing to work on your finances and build wealth and have access to experts to help you with your next step. Because again, that's something that people put off for like decades. And so if we can come together in one place and have a like-minded community, it's going to be a game changer. So I'm going to bring you guys more details um, as we get closer to it launching. And I'm super, super excited about it. It's going to be kind of amazing. <laughs> and I'm super proud of it. Now let's talk about I always tell either my clients or anybody that I'm talking to about like, what was the moment when you decided something had to change? And I always say people need to have this come to Jesus moment with your money before you're ready to do something about it. And what I mean by that is you have to get to the point where you're like sick and tired of being sick and tired, basically, and you're ready to do something about it because you realize there's more available to you. And that if you own where you are and take responsibility, you can basically do whatever you want. And so I'll tell you my come to Jesus moment with money, and then it will be your turn to decide if you're ready to have yours yet. So essentially my come to Jesus moment, I've told you guys, like we didn't have any money growing up and it was always spent on necessities. It was never like, can I have 20 bucks to go to the movies? And like, you know, go do something fun with my friends. That was never it. It was, I don't, I actually don't have a memory of asking for money until like later in high school. So that's where I was at. <laughs> um, and it was always a point of stress, right? Because for that monstrosity of a car, we still have it today. My sister has it. Um, that panel truck breaking down all the time and my dad having like so much stress about it and pulling out a 20 out of his pocket and like trying to go to Reby's, the auto parts store to go get whatever part it was or to put 20 bucks in the gas tank. And like, I just remember money was always a point of stress. And so that was like throughout my whole life, that's what it was about. And when I was in college, my dad got diagnosed with late stage cancer and I, you know, left school and my job and everything and moved home. And I spent a lot of time at home with him. And we were like going in between this fancy cancer hospital in Texas. And, you know, my sister and my brother had to work. So I was trying to deal with everything. And I was like 21 years old and, you know, making appointments and trying to get my dad who wasn't feeling good, you know, to all these things and trying to get the hotel organized. And it was watching my dad, like not want to spend any money in this period of his life. And, you know, it was terminal cancer. And even in the last few weeks of his life, like not wanting to spend money on a hotel that was like attached to the hospital so you could get to appointments easier or to go get food in the hospital. And it wasn't like gross hospital food. It was like, it was a fancy place <laughs> and they had good food. And it, we were like taking public transportation to go to Target to get like canned soup. And we were taking public transportation to get to like a cheaper hotel and I, right. And like my dad had cancer and it was like throwing up and not feeling good. And we're doing all of these things to like save money. And I was like, you know, as a 21 year old, I was like, why are we doing this? Why? <laughs> because I know that like medical expenses are super expensive and that's definitely something that, um, is prevalent today, but just to not want to spend any money, even in like the last weeks of your life to be more comfortable or to be more convenient to get to your appointments. And it was like, I had, that was my come to Jesus moment basically was like, I was looking at that and I can't blame my dad. Like I don't hold anything against him. Um, but it was like me looking into the future of like, if I don't get things figured out, this could be me in like 30 years or 40 years. And the moment I saw that for myself, I also saw it for 
a lot of people around me who were like 30 years old and had not put any money towards retirement or who were just like spending and spending and spending like crazy and taking out debt and putting it on the credit card and had no thought of like future them. And so that was my moment of like, okay, well, nobody is going to come tell me how to figure this out. I'm going to have to do it myself or I can basically see my future right now. And so many people, I think, have worked to avoid financial responsibility their entire lives, and I hear it played out on social media every day. Um, so like I just said, I had the come to Jesus moment myself, and then it was like so clear to me, and then I saw it in everybody else's life around me. I was like, listen, we're going to be screwed in 30 years. If I don't figure something out, if you don't figure something out, we're going to be in that same exact spot. And so I see this on social media of people like in that frame of mind, that is going to put them in that spot 40 years from now where they're like, it must be nice to be rich and spend your money or you're so lucky to be able to do that. And I see those comments all the time of people who just have like such a negative view of people either spending their money, not spending their money or budgeting, not budgeting. Like everybody has a stupid ass opinion. So I think comments like that are kind of like the seed of how you feel about money that is going to translate to, obviously to your regular life. If you're not putting away for retirement, if you're not being financially responsible, you will be exactly where my dad was 30, 40 years from now, where you don't want to spend any money on anything, where you haven't saved anything for retirement and you haven't thought about future you because we live in a society where it's like instant gratification. You can order something off Amazon and it's here fucking tomorrow and you don't have to wait to do anything. And so I've had like full blown arguments with people on the internet about, you know, I try to have like civil conversations with people on the internet but it's it's so hard because it's just whoever is yelling the loudest basically <laughs> in the room um and you know it's like people who think the government should cancel their student loan debt or people you know living and breathing on the hope that their unemployment comes through and it all comes down to this those two examples i gave you like I had a conversation with multiple people about like, hey, this is an argument as to why it might not be the best idea to cancel student loan debt. And people like ripping me up and down about it because they were like, well, I shouldn't have to struggle this hard. I shouldn't have to pay this back. I'm like, listen, nobody forced you to take out a student loan debt and nobody's coming to save you. You can't just rely on, you know, mommy and daddy government to come cancel your student loans because you don't want to pay it back or you don't want to hear that you are now responsible for that thing that you signed on for, even though you were younger. I understand that. And I know that that's a problem too. That will probably be a separate episode about like, there are other options other than higher education. But when people don't want to take responsibility for something that they signed on to, I don't care if you're you know, 18 years old, you're legally an adult, right? And people just think that it's somebody else's responsibility to take care of it. Like, oh, the government should cancel my student loan debt, or, you know, my mom and dad should pay for it, or, you know, my I'm entitled to my unemployment and it should be here tomorrow. And it's just like, why are we relying on external forces in our life to do something so important as take care of your financial future? It's crazy to me. And nobody is coming to save you, right? That's the title of this episode. Nobody is coming to save you. And if they do, it's like a happy accident. Honestly, you have to be able to rely on yourself and put yourself on the hook because if you don't, you're just living on like, you're just breathing hopes and dreams and hoping that it keeps you alive. You have to be doing like tangible things in your life where you're like, listen, I signed on to $40,000 in student loan debt. Was it a not good investment? Probably. Like I regret getting my... <laughs> 
uh, degree. It was a horrible investment. Um, that's another episode for a different day. So the whole point of this is like, nobody is coming to save you if you're broke and you don't want to do anything about it. Nobody is coming to save you if you don't want to get a job and you don't want to work. Nobody is coming to save you and dig you out of your credit card debt. There's nobody coming. It's not happening. You have to do it yourself and you have to put yourself on the hook to do that thing because there's nobody there. It's not happening. You have to do it your damn self. And I can't tell you the amount of people who have complained about being broke and how much debt they're in. They just can't stand it. And they can't stand like living paycheck to paycheck. And then I see them like commenting on someone's like best Amazon purchases. And they're like, okay, I need to wait till next payday to order this stuff and put it in their cart. It's a fucking crisis and nobody wants to take responsibility for it. There is no one no one, no one coming to save you. It's not happening. Why would you rely on somebody besides yourself with something as crucial as your finances? Because money touches every single aspect of your life. And if you're comfortable and you're complacent, depending on somebody else to do that for you, you're in big trouble. And how many people in this pandemic depended on unemployment at the beginning of the pandemic and didn't see it for months? relying on external forces to come save you is a bad bet. And I understand that there are social safety nets in place for a good reason. And I don't need a lecture on the people who actually need them. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the people who signed on to student loans without thinking about if the major they're getting is a good or a bad investment. And now they want them forgiven because they feel entitled to it. And I've said it before, like, I think my degree was a bad investment. And I understand like a lot of people are young. Again, that's a different conversation for a different day. But it's like adult people who are just like upset that they spent tens of thousands of dollars on a degree that they can't use or they can't find a high paying job in. And then they want to blame somebody else. There is nobody to blame or to take the responsibility except for you. So the people I am talking about are people who make good money and they just keep spending and putting things on credit and then something goes wrong in life as it will continue to do, just like every person in the history of the world. And then they're trying to place the blame elsewhere that they don't have an emergency fund and they can't keep up with their living expenses. And I want to emphasize, like, I'm not saying any of this to be rude or to come across as heartless. I'm saying it because maybe it will trigger you to have your come to Jesus moment and or inspire you to look at your situation differently. I say this because I'm tired of watching people struggle so goddamn much and get absolutely railroaded by things that they could have prepared for. And I'm tired of hearing about people who were looking forward to retiring in a few years, but they put off saving until it was too late. And now they have to like bag groceries as a 70 year old. And I'm tired of hearing people complain about not being able to go on vacation, how that girl on Instagram must have a trust fund to be able to go to Italy and then watching them overspend and never budget to actually make it a reality. If there's no action, there will be no results. And to be clear, I know there's like more sensitive people in the world than I personally have ever come across. I'm not telling you to work harder. I've had people come at me with that excuse, like telling me to work harder is offensive. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's time for you to put yourself on the hook for your finances because there's nothing and there's nobody that can be blamed and there's no external force coming to save you besides yourself. I am pointing out the hypocrisy and saying it doesn't fucking matter because you ultimately have two choices. You decide it's not your problem and you stay right where you are and just hope that I don't know, things sort themselves out. Or you can take responsibility, even if it's not yours to take, and make something fucking happen. And that's it. 
Those are the only options. I could have been born wealthy. I could have inherited a hotel empire. I could have a trust fund. Those come with, I'm sure they're fair bits of shittiness too, I can assume. And there are endless could-haves, right? Could have a trust fund, could be an heiress to a hotel empire. There's only one reality you get to have influence over, and it's the one you're currently living in. That's it. So here are your action items for this week. I told you this episode might be a little bit spicy and hurt some feelings, and that's okay. I'm, again, never saying anything to hurt your feelings or to come at you. I'm saying it because sometimes people need to hear the tough love of like, nobody's coming to save you and you have to do it yourself. And it comes in the form of finances. It comes in terms of health. It comes in terms of relationships. Like if you have a shitty relationship with your husband and you're like, oh, somebody else will fix it. It's not going to happen. It's your responsibility to do something about it if you want it to last. And it's the same exact thing with your finances. So again, I'm going to give you guys some action items at the end of this week that you can put into action um, this week, this month, this year, and I have quite a few of them. So here are some ways to kind of start digging into maybe how you feel about money. If you are in the camp that you're like, I do realize that I blame it on external forces, but you want to change something, I would encourage you to first identify areas where you're resistant to taking responsibility. Is it debt? If you're like, I don't even want to have to deal with this. Is it like saving for the future? Where are the areas where you're like hesitant to taking responsibility where you're like, I don't even want to deal with that. Identify those areas first. The next step is to identify why you feel resistant to it. So if it's something like we just talked about student loan debts because it's a hot topic and it's on my brain right now. Um, If the reason you feel resistant to taking responsibility for your student loans is like you think, well, I was really young. I signed on to this before I really understood what student loans were about and that I would have to repay it. I didn't do the research on you know, my degree, I went into college without it with an undeclared major. And I just feel like I didn't get my money's worth out of it. Those are all valid arguments and understandable. And a lot, a lot, a lot of people are in that situation. And it doesn't excuse like student loan people from making college so expensive and for signing on, you know, kids basically to tens of thousands of dollars. Again, that's a separate episode, but identifying why you feel resistant to it. If you're like, I shouldn't have been in that position or the government should, you know, lower the prices of college or whatever it is. Identify why you feel resistant to it. Number three is identify, is that resistance valid? So I just talked about like your feelings about it are of course valid because you do feel them, but is your resistance to it a valid reason for you to continue to ignore it and think that it's not your responsibility? And moving through your resistance is discovering where your resistance is rooted. Is it rooted in entitlement like mine was? I was like, well, my mom's making more money than my dad. So I'm entitled to her paying for my expensive, you know, sports camp or whatever. Is it a misunderstanding that you don't understand how things work or you thought it worked a certain way and it doesn't work a certain way? Like what is that resistance rooted in? The fifth action item is identifying what blind spots you might have when it comes to finances. Is it that you weren't taught about them growing up? you don't understand the principles of personal finance. Maybe you feel embarrassed or ashamed that you're an adult and you don't know what a 401k is or something. Again, we all have these things. I'm not saying it to make you feel badly. I'm saying it to bring awareness to this. It's like, what are your blind spots? I had all of these, right? I'm not saying this because I think I'm like on my high horse here. I've had all of these things where I was like resistant to doing anything about it, 
thought that I was entitled to it. Def- definitely didn't understand how things work, had blind spots when it came to personal finance. I was like, well, somebody should teach me this, or I was never taught this. I don't even know what a 401k is. Start thinking about just kind of like the blind spots, because if you know what they are, you can start addressing them. If you don't want to think about them, then they're going to continue to be blind spots. Then number six of your action items is do something about it. The easiest thing to do to get started is to track your expenses for a month and just find out where your money is actually going. That's the very first step. But to get to that step, we have to move past like that resistance and realizing that we have to take responsibility and put ourselves on the hook. So these last two are just questions that you can ask yourself. So the seventh action item is, what's the worst thing that can happen if you do decide to take responsibility? What's the worst that can happen to you? And it's going to be difficult because this is, again, that inner work that you have to do in order to start taking responsibility, to dig yourself out of debt, to get right with your spending habits. You are going to have to confront uncomfortable things. So maybe that's like your spending habits. If you're like, I don't even want to know how much money I spend on Amazon every month, where you're going to have to confront that. And that's why people try to avoid this because they don't want to know these things. They don't want to confront their not so good spending habits. They don't want to confront like the actual number, the amount of debt that they're in. A lot of people don't even know how much debt they're in because we just avoid it and we don't want to take responsibility for it. Is it that you don't want to confront feelings of worthiness? Are you like, if I decide to take responsibility and put myself on the hook for my finances, do I really think that I deserve to be debt-free, to thrive, to have a cushy retirement? Do I feel like I'm worthy of those things? And again, I did an episode, I think it was last week's episode, about how we self-sabotage ourselves, even if we don't consciously believe that we're not worthy of something. So go back and check out that episode if you haven't listened to it. And the last question in this like folder of what's the worst that can happen, if you're in a relationship and you have a significant other, it could open up arguments with your significant other. Again, these are all uncomfortable things that you will have to face, but I have found, and I think the world has found, that hard things are worth doing. And sometimes the things that hurt the most help you the most. Moving through, like, confronting your spending habits, moving through, you know, your feelings of worthiness, moving through, you know, figuring out how much debt you're in and getting really uncomfortable with that number and having maybe arguments or discussions with your significant other, those are going to be painful most likely. It's never going to be an easy process, but doing the hard things will help you in the long run. Because if we never confront it, we end up 30 years from now, we're like, oh shit, I should have done something about this. But we were too scared to put ourselves on the hook and be responsible for where we are in life. Because it's all about your choices. Just ask ourselves, what's the worst thing that can happen if we take responsibility? And we're going to have to confront some uncomfortable feelings and conversations. And your last question is, What's the greatest thing that can happen if I take responsibility? What's the best thing that can happen to me if I take this into my own hands, take control of my finances and decide there's no one coming to save me? What's the best, best, best thing that can happen? What will it do for you and your family to have financial security? What will it do for you to have an emergency fund that you don't have to worry about getting laid off, that you can leave a toxic work environment? What would it give you if you could afford to have an annual vacation every single year and go to your favorite place? And thinking about the flip side, like we just talked about, what's the worst thing that can happen in confronting those? But the alternative is we move through those things and we get to the greatest things that can happen if you take responsibility. And I was able to leave a bad work environment, start my own business. Like that's the flip side of it. But you have the only way through 
is through. That's the only way you get through it. And so I want to leave you at the end of this episode with another Mel Robbins quote. If you haven't heard of her, I would look her up on YouTube and just see, I think she has like full TED Talks on there, but you can see clips as well. Um, But here's the final quote I want to leave you with. Knowing what you need to do to improve your life takes wisdom. Pushing yourself to do it takes courage. So knowing what you need to do to improve your life takes wisdom. If you know that you need to do something about your finances and it's time and you're always stressed about it and it's a point of contention in your relationship and you know something needs to change, that's wisdom. Pushing yourself to actually do it and take action is courage. Because like I just talked about, it's going to be painful sometimes, most of the time. For most people, it's going to hurt. You're going to have hard conversations. You're going to have to say no to yourself. But taking the action to do that takes courage and will put you in that spot where we're like, that's the greatest thing that can happen to me and I'm going to make it a reality. That's where I want to see you. So I'm going to leave you with that quote to think about. And please look up Mel Robbins on YouTube. She has some great um, videos. And then in, I think last episode was the one I talked about the, the book, The Big Leap. I would love for you to read The Big Leap too, because I think it really hones in really, really well on this topic of like how we self-sabotage ourselves and how we feel comfortable with like, if we're uncomfortable, basically, like we are at a level of like happiness or success in our lives that we feel like okay at and moving beyond that and having like difficult conversations or finding out how much debt we're actually in and deciding what to do about it makes us really um, uncomfortable and we can self-sabotage. So I think that goes really well hand in hand with this episode. So if you guys have questions about this episode or you want to like talk about something, again, I am always open to having conversations with people who actually want to have a conversation. If you've been following me for a while, you say, you know that I say like social media is a cesspool and it's a hellscape and it's just whoever is yelling the loudest and people have opinions about stuff that they have literally no idea about. And so it's really hard to have a conversation with somebody on social media, which was not built to have like a productive conversation. You only have so many characters, you only have 15 seconds, you only have a minute to make your point and try to like counteract whatever the other person is saying. It was not built to have a productive conversation. And so I'm always open. If people disagree with me, that's fine. I don't care. And I love to hear other people's perspective of things and try to understand you know, where they're coming from, how they arrived at that conclusion, and for me to feel the same. Like, I always try to enter conversations thinking that I'm not right because I know that people know more information than me, they've read another book, they have different research than me, and going into a conversation willing to exchange ideas is the whole point of having a conversation. So you want to talk about anything in this episode, you want to exchange ideas, you're open to listening, I'm open to listening to you, and that's the true meaning of a conversation is not just to yell at people or to make other people feel stupid or to just spit facts at somebody. That's not the point of a conversation. So if this episode brought up feelings for you and you would like to talk about them or have a discussion about them, I'm open to doing that. And I would love to talk to you um, in that capacity. So send me a message on Instagram, or you can send me an email if you want, and we will have a conversation about it. And if you're looking for ways to put these kind of like action items I give you into work in your life, but you need some ideas, I'm more than happy to help because I think that this um, come to Jesus moment needs to happen before we can get really, really serious about our finances and other stuff. Like, I mean, money is 
great, but you know, the other areas of life are really important. And this will be something that can apply to basically every area of your life. Um, so I hope you guys found this episode helpful and it was a little spicy, but hopefully not too spicy for you guys. And at the end of this episode, I just want to mention again, my money membership is coming where we will have the accountability and the motivation component of budgeting and your finances, access to guest experts and money challenges every single month that will help you level up your finances and your uh, financial literacy is going to be amazing. I'm super excited about bringing it to you guys and working with you in that capacity. Get your budget set up every single month, have a Q&A every single month, have guest experts, have a topic every single month so that you have um, a resource in a like-minded community to go to when it comes to your finances. So thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you on the next episode.